electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live for the NASDAQ market side, overlooking, you guessed it, Times Square. We haven't moved. This is Fast Money. I'm Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa once again. Hi, Tim. Hi. Your traders on the desk tonight are that guy, Tim Seymour, Carter Wurr, Steve Grasso, and Mr. Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, it has been another no good, very bad week for Boeing. And now rumblings that the 737 MAX could be out of service until summer. We'll talk about the impact on the stock straight ahead. Plus, Ripple makes a splash. Ah, the jaw-dropping valuation. The crypto company just locked in. Thanks for getting it. It's no problem. And check out this mystery chart. It has been sitting out the Dow seemingly unending run this year. But Chartmaster Carter Worth thinks that's about to change. Mm. What is that chart? Send in your guesses as well. All right. A lot to do. But we start once again with, you guessed it, new records, more records on Wall Street. Stocks really in uncharted territory nearly every single day now. The S&P 500 closing out its best week since early September. And fun fact. Today was the biggest volume day of the year. Stop. Quadruple witching. There you go. But things can be a little scary at the top. You're all making money. Your accounts are going up. And your question probably is that you're asking yourself and us, how do I position myself as we enter the final trading days of the year and next year when, Guy, it's not just about this year. It's been a heck of an eight, nine-year run. A lot of people are probably thinking, do I need to protect myself a bit? Because we've and our portfolio has done very well. It's interesting you say that. And hi, Brian. Hi, Guy. Tim. Hi, how are you, sir? CB Dubs. I think for a long time earlier this decade, that's what people did. They bought protection. Then they said to themselves, you know what, why? It expires worthless every time all the market does is go up. Then they stopped. And then they got really creative and they started selling options, which CBW can talk about with the great Dan Nathan, who, by the way, tonight at 530 is Dan Nathan's last appearance on Options Action. I want to get that out there. Now he's keeping but his options can, open. Is that what's going on? See what you did there, see? but not on fast money. He'll be so, looking I mean, forward to seeing. You know, you talk about the I mean, with with the VIX at 12, 12 and a half, <laughs> it makes perfect sense because all the concerns I've had clearly incorrectly are still out there. But what has worked and what we have talked about, healthcare continues to crush. Biotech continues to do well. Some of these retail names have been amazing trading stocks like Macy's, like Nordstrom's. And I think, and I think Tim would agree with this, energy has very quietly over the last two and a half, three months made a decent move higher. Yeah, it, it was another interesting week for central banks. And, you know, we talked briefly yesterday about how the Ricks Bank in Sweden, don't get too caught up in that. Rates are moving higher. Global central banks, our Federal Reserve, are deciding whether zero interest rate policy, uh, NERP, whatever you want to say, is working. That's actually something that should concern equity markets, but probably not here, except for the fact that this move in equity markets has taken positioning going into year end to the complete polar opposite of where we were almost one year to the day. So if you look at the Greed and Fear Index, if you look at the AAII bull bear spread, whatever you want to read, it's almost diametrically opposite of what it was last year. That should concern you in the same way it set things up last year. And I realized no one was jumping in on deck 24 saying it's going to go up and we're going to have a 2019 mm. that we did. But we did. And I think you have to be cautious about position. But Carter, what, you know, I, I'm not trying to knock on Macy's. I'm not knocking on oil and gas companies. But Tim mentioned them as like leaders. 
Do we have to worry this is kind of a low-quality stock rally? Yeah, it's tough to call one stock a leader after dropping for three and four years or a sector, right? But what we do know is that you have catch-up trades always in markets. And I think when momentum's high, people double back, try to find something that's lagged and play it. And so these are more sort of catch-up trades than they are leaders. But is it because you think, Steve, they, they believe Investors believe in those names, or it's hey, they're down. The market's running. I, th- I think that let's was, buy the stock. You start off the show saying, cheap. "How do you position yourself?" I think that it was an overpositioning to be short for trade for the Fed, and they had to have the catch-up trade going into the end of the year. Q1 is going to be a hell of a time to lay the shorts out again, potentially. It's going to depend on on estimates, guidance, and where all of those analysts that called for a earnings recession might ratchet up estimates too high, and then estimates fall short. You know, Guy, I saw a thought of you this morning. I'm sure oh, you I'm did. Good. Wow. Why saw was today any different you? than any other morning, uh, Because Brian. I saw a chart that I thought I had Guy uh, Adami written all over well, it, and it was uh, a chart showing chart. the expansion of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet by $3.5 <laughs> trillion dollars the last few months. Mm. I mean, an incredibly steep and rapid expansion of that balance sheet Obviously, an injection of liquidity into this market. And if that doesn't continue, which it it can't at some point, can the market continue? Well, I I was not here on, I believe it was Wednesday, but I think you had the great Northman trader on Sven, if I recall. (laughs) And you had this exact conversation. And we mentioned he's going to be right. He's going to be right one day. He he, well, he's right more than he's wrong. But that's another conversation. But I'll say this. I don't think it can continue. I mean, the, the fact that we've, we've grown the balance sheet, the Fed, the fastest it's grown in a decade, I mean, at a certain point, it's unsustainable, or the market's going to call them out, or the market's going to say, wait a second, what are you seeing that we don't see? What is your concern? So clearly, that's been a huge catalyst in September. I just don't know how long that can yeah, What are they not seeing, though, Brian? What are they not seeing? They're not seeing inflation. I know that you could point out where inflation is in certain aspects of the economy, but the Fed is not seeing inflation, and that's why the rate cuts were more appropriate, and now they're using the balance sheet. They don't have enough ammo with cuts alone, and that's why you see the balance sheet being used But how right much, now. my point in, in pointing out to the viewers, which they all know, we got the smartest viewers in the world out mm. there, is that I, this has got to be at least, not, maybe not all, but a part of this market run oh, in the course. last 90 it days. Oh, it, it is, and we, we are none the wiser for what central banks can do next year, nor are they. And, and if you look at what, you know, the last 21 sessions, you can actually see the, the, the change in the curve, the steepness that's gone on, the way that the long end has finally bounced off of very important levels. In other words, bonds have been selling off enough. We've been hearing about foreign selling of central bank, uh, foreign central bank selling of U.S. Treasuries. Again, it's not panic time. It's not runaway. I don't think yields are going to get away from us. But I do think that what we're all talking about is a market that's had the euphoria of central bank and the turbocharge of the last six weeks or two months um, has been beyond something that we could have expected, especially when the Fed was supposed to be getting out of the way until the middle part. But they're not getting out of the way. And I'm going to, you know, my heart seeing you guys is two sizes too big. And I'm going to play the Uh, Grinch. Wow. Okay, because January 31st and January or January 30th or whatever, December 30th and January 2nd, $320 billion being injected into the New York Fed for the repo market. Is that something we need to worry about? I know we keep bringing it up, and it's a broken clock is right twice a day, but if everything was hunky-dory, of course. why are we doing this? Well, there's an expression, the fix is in. Mm. And so you call it what you want, but they're taking measures in some form or fashion. And usually when you're taking measures, something's not right. But why do they, they want to do this? And, and I just, you know, I, I wonder. Well, that's what we don't know. Well, and this is scary because if the Fed doesn't know and if the Fed has to react is, is 
Um, well, they know. We don't. Symbolic move we've had. Yeah, but they were too nervous in September, and they they overre. Maybe they overreacted. We don't. We don't know. They saw something in the repo market, and they they wanted to shoot first. And then figure it out. But it was September. They were worried. October, they took yeah. action. So I think that they they might have overshot, but I think they wanted to calm everything so that no one, because people were getting worried about that repo. Well, do you, do you remember the, the, the sort of infamous now Mnuchin letter where he's like, over the weekend, he's like, I spoke to the banks. Everything's fine. Everybody's like, why? Why, speak why are we speaking to the banks? What do we, what do we right. need to know about right. here? I kind of right. feel like that repo market thing is the same way. And I don't think we've ever really been told as to what are the stresses within the system. But, but, but again, even if you're an equity investor at this point, and we talk a lot about how sometimes the credit markets seem to have an edge on the equity markets, it's telling you that you had a, a free ride for the last two months, and you have to be careful about that. Okay, so Carter Worth, let's talk about this mystery chart. You said the fix is in. By the way, the fix is two X's, great band, and one thing does lead to another. And so we'd like to talk to oh, you. Oh, man. To, what? Well, and, you know, we can, the, we can well, stand or fall based upon this, Brian. As soon as we right? reach I mean, the beach. Let's me. go to the mystery chart. I've got a chart to figure out who this is. To this <laughs> conversation, actually. And we're going to do two versions. We're going to do a one-year chart of the mystery chart, and we're going to do a one-decade chart of the mystery chart. So here is the one-year chart, and it is a mystery chart. And let's look at, next slide, here is the 10-year chart of the mystery chart. And before we sort of figure out what it is, since all of you on the desk uh, refer to and rely on charts uh, on a regular basis, what do you think of this 10-year chart? Well, if you're uh, throwing it out to... Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, go you ahead. go, you go. That's a 10-year? Who is that? It's pretty nice. It's Up a beautiful... Right. I would say it's a beautiful chart. It's a chart. beautiful-looking chart. Lower that, left um, to the upper right. It's an equity, so. right? I actually don't know what it is. I have no idea. It's an equity, right? It's a stock. So it's very relevant to what we were just talking about, and it actually is the best performing sector this week. Go figure, with rates moving aggressively higher. XLF. It's XLU. That's Utility. the irony. Guess what's that. hanging in really, really well? Utilities. And I think that's an important message, meaning there are parts of the market that don't buy into the everything's okay message. Carter, but if, if, if utilities are outperforming, a lot of the argument was they were certainly outperforming because we're in a low-yield environment. So if rates stay here, I get it. Um, do, do you think this is telling us where bond yields are going? Is this ultimately going to say we're not getting inflation? We're not going to go back to where the Fed has to be concerned about the, the oil? I think you've touched on it exactly, meaning if we were really on the cusp of something sort of aggressive to the upside in yields globally, not only in the U.S., but all these negative yields going to positive or at least close to it, you would not get this kind of action out of utilities and even, frankly, gold. So there's, there are parts of the sort of asset complex that are calling uh, out the so-called notion that rates are going meaningfully higher. All right, Carter, why don't you come on back to the desk and let's trade this around. I mean, here, the, the utilities have been a spectacular play, obviously, Guy Dami. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the utilities were a place you hid. If you were afraid for other things, you went into the utilities, regulated business, slow to no growth. You just wanted the cash flow. Then you Suddenly look, they become this wealth creator. Makes you wonder when a Con Edison is up a percent on a day like today. It's, it's off its all-time highs, but not that much off. Ridiculous valuation for that kind of company. But to Carter's point, I mean, here's a decent day in the market and Con Ed's up a percent. It doesn't make a lot of sense. TLT's up. I mean, listen, I, I'm with Carter on this one. I'm probably one of the few people that think rates are headed back lower. 
But we'll see how it plays itself well, What's out. interesting is we've seen during periods of risk aggression, though, that actually utilities haven't been a place to hide, especially because they've been in a short run. Uh, that, you know, Carter's chart shows that eventually you get back into that trade and maybe there's a bottom end of a channel. But, but because they've been so defensive, they're not terribly defensive even on at least the first part of those worst days. What I would say about other places, though, that are interesting that would certainly counter that trade and the jury's absolutely still out. But talking about transports and thinking about the pressure on the transports that have come from FedEx and, and, and even a Boeing and the fact that the transports still are trying to break out even with those two headwinds. You know, there's one company, Duke Energy. It's up 5% this year. The rest are up 20, 30, even 40%. Duke has a dividend yield of 4.17%. They're obviously you know, pushing that yield out there to bring investors in. It hasn't participated. Any reason to maybe it's play the sort of the dogs of the four. utilities, if you will? It's a top four in, in the XLU. It's about a 7% weighting within the XLU. But, you know, I, I push back on that a little bit because utilities can pass on. You need lights. You need everything that they supply, even when rates rise. So it has been defensive. And I think there's a lot of things to be defensive about within the market. But I don't think you should read anything further than uh, rates and, and a, a Do we still buy them here, Carter? Do we, do oh, we buy sure. them? I think yeah, so. Yeah, look at that, tra- to, look at that chart. That chart. And the short-term chart hasn't yet made a high. I think you're breaking out right now. And the fact that you're up number one sector on the week when rates really punched almost the 2%. Any have anybody? I'm putting you all on the spot. Eighty-seven and a half in Duke Energy is very interesting. It bottomed out there recently, made a similar bottom, I think, six or seven months ago. You trade against that, and in the great words of a great movie, Brian, it was in fact the Dukes. Do you recall that? <laughs> it, was it was the Dukes. It was the Dukes. You have to say it twice. Dukes. Randolph and Mortimer, if yes. I believe. Well, that was Eddie Murphy at the time. All right, we are just getting started here on Fast Money. Our careers may be finishing up. Up next, Boeing hitting another major headwind, but the stock is still in holding, and it's a little bit of green for the year. We're going to find out what might be in store for Boeing, the most important stock in the Dow, heading into next year and later. Call it the ripple effect the crypto spiking today we're going to tell you what's behind the move and what's been a tough year as always live for the nasdaq market site much more fast money right after this the spirit of performance defines acura and now it's electric introducing the all-electric zdx acura's most powerful suv yet while what powers their cars may change the energy that makes acura never will Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another news alert on Boeing. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow saying the White House is not pressuring regulators to unground the 737 MAX. In an interview with Reuters, Chow said that economic issues will not be a factor in the decision to unground that airplane. That news just crossing right now. All right, let's get now to Phil LeBeau, who's got more, not only probably on this, but also more on Boeing in general out of Chicago. Phil. And Brian, just to play off of what you were talking about, there has been this theory floating around, I would say, mainly for the last three or four days. People, And I've heard from people who have emailed me and said, is there any chance 
that Boeing suspended uh, max production so they could get the White House say, look, you're going to hurt the GDP. You're going to hurt the economy. Look, eventually these people might have to be laid off. Uh, and I heard no indication of that from people at the FAA. I've gotten zero indication that there is the idea that the White House is pressuring them. None at all. So this plays into that with Elaine Chao saying that economic factors will have no bearing on uh, the decision of whether or not to ground or unground uh, the 737 MAX. We want to talk about how many cancellations that we've seen because United was out today. There's a big number for you, Brian. Are you ready for it? 145,000. That's how many U.S. 737 MAX flights have been canceled. If you go from March 13th, when the grounding started, all the way through when we expect the MAX to be grounded for in the spring of next year. United out today is the latest. And yet it's interesting with United because while American and Southwest have said we're going to take it off the schedule till early April, United said, you know what, we're going to do it until June 4th. That's when we plan to fly the plane again. So if you're keeping score, you've got American and Southwest planning to bring it back in early April, and then you've got United saying we're going to bring it back in June. There's always the chance, guys, that if this plane gets recertified faster than expected. They could bring the plane back a little bit sooner. But as of right now, those are the latest plans. And just a reminder, as you take a look at shares of Boeing, production on the 737 MAX will be halted probably early January. They don't have an an exact date right now. There's a few planes that are still in process as they work those through uh, and finish building those, Brian. But that's when we will see production halt in January. And you wonder how they're getting those dates, those airlines saying June's this, April that. I mean, nobody really knows. It could be in the summer. And, and more can add to that 145,000 sure. number for canceled flights. Phil Lebeau, thank you very much, buddy. Great Friday. You a bet. lot of work this week. Have a great weekend, Phil. Thank you very much. You All right, so, guys, Boeing down 13% this quarter. At this rate, it's going to join three others as one of four Dow stocks. Then it'll be four that are down on the year. Boeing, this, this tragedy has been going really, on. It looks like investors are starting to give up on the stock. This, the tragedy happened when? October of 2018? Yeah. And then after that, it was March of 2019. It's been going on for some, uh, some time now. And Boeing has been hanging on to a profit year, year to date. Now it's up about 1% or so. Probably going to go negative. I get it that it's a duopoly. I get it that it should be somewhat safe. But I think you want to avoid it now. There's so many layers to the story. But what it is bullish for are the airlines. I'm long Spirit Airlines save. You take, you take supply off the market, and it helps the airlines. There's been a couple of upgrades in the uh, airline space as well. Save is where I'm long. I agree with Steve. The unintended consequences of this are actually more supply discipline out of airlines. But, but to be clear... Boeing's been a sideways stock for 21 months. I mean, even before this issue, this was a company that people were wrestling with the valuation. So uh, I don't think that this announcement today, of course they, the flights were canceled. Of course that's the number. Of course United is running for cover, and it's a CYA for them because they were so offsides, unlike Delta, yeah. who didn't have this kind of exposure. That doesn't surprise me. Well, listen, the, the, the analyst community has a $386 average price target, $60 above where the stock is now. One of two things has got to happen. The stock's mm-hmm. got to recover, yeah, 18, or the analyst community. He's going to have to come out soon, downgrade, and start cutting their price targets. The short-term tragedy notwithstanding and the short-term or two-year underperformance notwithstanding, where is this going to be 36 months out if one's sort of a longer-term investor? And I think everyone knows it. It's going to be higher. You think so? You're that confident? Sure. Okay. For the latest on Boeing's max grounding, head over to our website, cnbc.com. But here is – this is TV. So here's what's coming up next. Remember Ripple, the company behind the struggling XRP cryptocurrency? You won't believe how much it's worth now. 
Plus, tonight on Options Action, why Apple's record run has one trader feeling cautious. The trade he's putting on to protect himself. We've got those stories and a lot more when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at this. It is a big-time move in XRP today, basically the parent company of Ripple. The crypto shooting higher after blockchain startup got an eye-popping valuation. Kate Rooney is out in San Francisco with the details. When they sent me the story, I said, well, Kate's screwed up. That can't be, you know, billion. It's got to be million. What is this? <laughs> Ryan, you're you're reading it right. So Ripple announced a $200 million funding round today, and that money is not in cryptocurrency. The new cash injection brings Ripple's valuation to $10 billion, making it one of the most valuable private startups in Silicon Valley. But a key lifeblood of its business has been tanking. Ripple is the majority owner of cryptocurrency XRP and sells it every quarter to help fund the business Ripple also uses XRP as a so-called bridge currency for cross-border transactions. XRP had skyrocketed alongside Bitcoin two years ago. It's now down roughly 50 percent this year, while Bitcoin has actually rallied 80 percent. Ripple's main business is a cross-border payment system built on blockchain that's used to send money around the world. The startup says it now has 300 customers globally and ink deals with MoneyGram, Santander and American Express. Brian. That's a good story. It's a big one. Kate Rooney out in San Francisco. Thank you very much. So let's put that $10 billion valuation into perspective, shall we, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. It is bigger than the market caps of Bed Bath & Beyond, Whirlpool, and Planet Fitness. So does Ripple really belong in the $10 billion club, Guy Dummy? I don't think so, but I'm. this is not my skating rink. This is not, not your my fort. oval. It's not, not my fort. forte. It's fort. It's actually but, I mean, the market decides that. I don't decide that. So if the market... As they said, you know, in the, remember the movie Coming to America? It's Mama Name Him Clay, I'm Calling Him Clay. Well, if it's worth $10 billion to them, it's worth $10 billion to me. Does that make sense? It's just, is there some of this, Carter, in, in all seriousness, where you see these kind of valuations? Listen, I don't understand. There must, somebody understands something that, that I don't understand or we don't understand. But you're seeing just so much money thrown at these companies. Then you look at Uber and all these others that are having trouble. What does it tell you about well, a macro market? It's the nature of uh, something that's unknown and new. The dream can sort of be big, uh, right? And then at some point, the child is grown and the dream is gone. Uh, <laughs> well, is this personal? You want no. to get on a couch? No, that's <laughs> Pink Floyd. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, but the point is that that's the nature of anything that's unknown. You can put any evaluation on it, right? And that's what people do. But when it has to be, prove itself, things can go 
very badly. I just look, the cryptocurrency, especially as you get into second and third term, because this has been 21 days to Sunday, the institutional representation in this investment is important, and it's yep. actually very impressive. All right, here we go. Let's go final trades. Tim Seymour. Yeah, what else is impressive is that you're starting to see EM possibly outperform. I think it's a very interesting trade for next year, the EEM top heavy with Baba. Carter. Utilities got to be there long. Steve. Jack, I think it's time to buy this one. It's bouncing from that $58 level. So a quick show. This went by like that. Mm. What's you going know? on next? I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what's breaking out to the upside. It's Eli Lilly, Brian nice. Sullivan. Yeah. I like it. Mine. All right, I'm all right, Jack. Okay. Keep your hands off of my stack. That's it for Fast Money. I'll be back though in about two minutes' time because options action is next. We'll see you in two minutes. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 